In a recent conversation with a retreat leader, I asked where he grew up. Brooklyn, New York, he said, commenting later that my question is a common one down here in the South. That was news to me. I assumed the question of provenance was common to everyone. We learn quite a bit about people by knowing where they grew up, and we like to make connections. Oh, do you know so-and-so? At the same time, though, I guess we could inappropriately toss a few negative impressions on someone we ask just because we may not like another person who hails from the same hometown. But we can become very attached to places. Maybe you hold close ties to the house where you grew up, or the town where your best friend lives, or the church building to which we come several times a month. These places have a significance beyond the cost of the bricks or the street signs. We develop emotional attachment to places like the Israelites had developed to their land. The prophet Ezekiel is writing to these people who had been captured and taken out of the land that they believed God had given them as a home to share. And so it was as if their connection to God was ripped in two, severed, and unable to be rewoven or reattached. Without God and the temple at Jerusalem, the people could not live The blood drained from them. Their breathing stopped. Spiritually, they died. As when Victory Stadium was demolished, the rubble of their lives was strewn about like the bones of a decayed carcass. Can these bones live? This is God's question to Ezekiel as he experiences this vision of a valley of dry bones stretching out before him. Imagine being at the Mill Mountain Overlook and looking down at the Roanoke Valley and instead of seeing buildings and railroad tracks and the river, we just see this sea of grayish white bones where once was life and beauty, only the grief-inducing reminder of death remains. Can these dry bones live? Ezekiel doesn't answer directly, as it's pretty obvious to him that these bones have seen their better days. Their best hope now is a group of excited archaeologists to clean them and place them in a museum somewhere. And Ezekiel then answers Oh, Lord God, you know. One Sunday, a pastor was using squirrels as an object lesson for the children, and he started, I'm going to describe something, and I want you to raise your hand when you know what it is. This thing lives in trees and eats nuts. No hands are going up. And it is gray, and it has a long, bushy tail, And the kids were looking at each other nervously, but still they were 
holding their hands down, and it jumps from branch to branch. And finally, one little boy tentatively raised his hand, and the pastor called on him, and the boy said, well, I know the answer must be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. Ezekiel's answer to God, oh Lord, you know, sounds like he knows the answer that God wants, but it's not logical. It's not what he expects. And so he turns the question back to God and waits. And this is the response that he hears. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will lay sinews on you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The Smithsonian Museum's, the Smithsonian's Museum of Natural History, full of dry bones. They're not scattered anymore like they were in Ezekiel's valley. They've been recovered and reconnected into the skeletons of a brontosaurus and a Tyrannosaurus rex and a Stegosaurus. And on the opposite side of the museum is the exhibit about human history. There you can watch a series of videos about Shanidar Cave in Iraq where the skeletons of nine Neanderthals were discovered. One skeleton, especially a jawbone, gives clues of trauma to the body, but also of healing. So that anthropologists discern that this person, this older person, was well cared for by the rest of the group. Anthropologists and archaeologists use multiple clues to think backwards and put skin back on bones, like they did in the videos, or like they did with the pterodactyl in the dinosaur exhibit. Ezekiel's prophecy tells us that dry bones also have a message for us about the future. God and Ezekiel work together to use the power of words to reconstruct life. It's like a video in reverse, yet it actually is moving forward so that in Ezekiel's vision, suddenly there's a rattling, like a thousand drumsticks dropped upon a stage. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And Ezekiel looks, and then like a page from Gray's Anatomy, the textbook, The bones had ligaments and muscles, and then all these sets of bone and muscle were enveloped by blankets of skin. It was an amazing sight, and yet it was still incomplete. We read, but there was no breath in them. You ever felt like that? Like you are a body walking around with no breath to give you life. This must have been how the Israelites felt. Miles away from home, in a different culture, with a different language, 
different customs and different gods. This is exile. Can these bones live? We've been in the season of Lent for over a month now. Perhaps our practices have led to a deeper experience with God, but perhaps they have led instead to a sense that we are so much farther from where we want to be. Can these bones live? Sometimes we let people draw the energy and breath out of us. And other times it's simply the circumstances of work and relationships and money and health that make us feel hopeless. So we feel like answering dryly, no, these bones can't live. The psalm prescribed for today is Psalm 130. It's called a penitential psalm, and you'll hear a musical interpretation of it as the postlude today. It begins plaintively, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Can these bones live? If this were the end of the story, we would be hopeless indeed. But God is not finished. God says something else to Ezekiel. God says, prophesy to the breath, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And Ezekiel prophesies as God commands him. And the breath came into them, and they lived. They stood on their feet, a vast multitude. What a very different picture than the valley that he saw at first. Now Ezekiel and God are working together again, and through the power of the word, the wind, or the breath, in Hebrew they're the same word, haruach, The winds come from every direction and thrust life into the inanimate bodies, and they live. We need the power of these words. The gospel passage prescribed for today is John 11, in which Jesus comes to his good friends at Bethany, Mary and Martha, and Lazarus. But Lazarus has been ill and has died, and Martha runs to Jesus when she hears he's on his way, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know, I know he'll rise again on the last day. But that does nothing for the grief and the pain that she now experiences with her brother in the grave only four days. And Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Fred Craddock says that Jesus moves resurrection from the last days to today. Today, there is pain in this life. There is pain to come in the gospel as Jesus moves closer to Jerusalem. 
But we need not wait to celebrate the fact that resurrection is already here. When our son was younger, he was climbing a tree and fell out flat on his stomach, and it knocked the wind, the breath, out of him. Have you ever had the wind knocked out of you? Either physically or emotionally? Most of us have at one time or another. We feel stuck. We feel breathless, lifeless. We feel like things will not change for the better. But Ezekiel tells us that that is not true. Jesus tells us that is not true. Psalm 130 cries out, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. With him there is great power to redeem. There is hope. Mike McBrayer, a seminary classmate of mine, likes to tell the story of when he was a prospective student and visited Baptist Theological Seminary at Richmond during its very first year, 1991. He arrived at a rented building with a little sign out front, and he passed two men on the way in, one of them mowing and another one doing some other kind of work. And he went in and found the secretary and asked to see the president or the dean. It turns out those were the two men who were working outside. It's been almost 20 years, and the seminary no longer rents those buildings from the Presbyterian School of Christian Education. The seminary purchased those buildings. And yet, it is the buildings that are sapping away the strength, the breath of the seminary. Trustees made a bold decision recently to sell the buildings and to move toward a new model for theological education, focused more on partnerships, focused on online learning, focused on students as they are today, not as they were 10, 15 years ago. It will change the dynamics of the seminary, but it reinforces the original mission to train ministers. You don't have to own buildings to train ministers. The school then will be disconnecting from a place like the Jews were severed from Jerusalem and from Solomon's temple and from the land where they lived. But that's not the end of the story. That leaves not dry bones, but new life as they rely instead on the spirit, the breath, of God. So one of our challenges from this text, I think, is to try to define what is our Jerusalem? What is our temple? What is the thing that, to which we're holding on from which God can help us to sever so that we can rely more on God and more on Jesus as the resurrection and the life? What is that place? Maybe a physical place, maybe a spiritual place, maybe an emotional place or vocational place. What is that place from which you need to draw away, from which you need to let go so that God can breathe life into you for a new place to come? Wait for the Lord. 
Hope in the Lord, says the psalmist. Can these dry bones live? Yes. Yes, they can. Let's pray. Release us, Lord, we pray, from all that to which we hold so tightly. Help us to trust in your spirit to blow and move us wherever you want us to go to be more faithful. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.